It's the Paul Patterson and Tom Scallon podcast show. They're talking the walk and not about sloppy, sloppy Joes. So, talking walk, talk, talking walk. Talking walk, talk, talking walk. Talking walk, talk, talking walk show. Welcome back to episode 25. The Silver Jubilee episode of Talking the Walk, Boys to Men. I am Paul Patterson. And Tom Scallon. Um, so Silver Jubilee, you know, that's supposed to be years, according to Christy and you. But um, we're going with episodes in this case. And we're going to call this our Silver Jubilee episode. Um, it's going to be lengthy, especially with the feedback. And we'll talk more about that as we get into it. Um, as of right now, uh, Talking the Walk, 24 episodes up to this point, have 2,742 listens. So we are now somewhere around 113 listens per episode on average, um, gaining some more. And we'll talk more about that too when we, when we get to feedback as far as some of our, our new listeners. But Boys to Men, episode 25. Um, slowly, slowly rising like COVID cases. Oof, is that slowly? <laughs> that, that seems to be, we seem to be spiking again. Um, oh. Yeah, Spike. Original music, Jake Brown. Original artwork, Bailey Bishop. Social media director, Tyler Stanley, on all three of our platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, fact checker, resident fact checker, Jill Martin. And then, of course, marketing uh, and Jeff Gravy. Um, right into podcast confessional, you know, and, and again, trying to keep a couple of these things moving along. Um, podcast confessional short, I, I just want to make sure that listeners know that if you text me or email me something that has to deal with the podcast, so if you mix personal, something in there that's personal, and then something podcast-wise, I am not going to respond to you until I have my journal, so I can write it down. Otherwise, I'm going to forget, and then and then you know, who knows what's going to happen as far as we may lose you as a listener, and we don't want that to happen. So I need my journal so I can write it down. So if you don't hear from me, like in some cases, somebody may have texted something about the podcast either on Friday night or Saturday morning, and I didn't get to my journal until Monday, so you didn't hear from me for two days. Yeah, I got it. Um, and Trevor Tompkins, uh, we'll talk more about that coming up, but the, uh, the fact that I have to wait until I get my journal. So I apologize to anybody that doesn't hear back from me right away. And if I happen to be sitting by my journal and I jot it down, then you'll hear from me right away. I try to respond as quickly as possible to that. Do you have anything for the confessional this week? Well, I just want to make sure that's not directed at me because sometimes I think I text you things and maybe the podcast included and you don't text back for a couple of days. Um, you told me not to respond. So I didn't respond. It's a trap. So you set a trap. God. That wasn't about the podcast. That had nothing to do with podcast. You told me not to respond. And now yeah. see, I knew this was going to happen. I knew. No. So if I would have. No, I'm not upset. There was one before that. That is terrible that you do that to me. Terrible. You set me up. <laughs> you don't have to respond. Yeah. Here, you know what? I'm going to get my phone out. I'm going to look. I am almost positive. That might even be the first line in that stinking text. I think it's the third line. Don't need you to say anything. Don't need you to say anything. So I didn't say anything. And now here you are. You didn't respond to my text when I sent it. All right. Well, don't act like don't act 
quick polony here. Um, what are you called then, if you're acting that way? I sent you a text, told you I don't need you to respond, but now I'm upset with you because you did, in fact, listen to me, and you did not did not respond. No, you missed the first part. I just don't think it should. I feel like it's a jab at me. Your whole it confessional. Was, it I wouldn't have brought it up if you wouldn't confessed. Oh my gosh. Fair enough. Where's Lee where he can tell me this isn't all about me? That's always fun to hear. Sometimes necessary. Anyway, moving on to feedback. Seems like you don't have anything for confessing. Um, Tim Clay, by the way, strap yourselves in. Get yourself a nice ice cold beverage of some sort, a snack. Um, put your feet up. Or if you're walking, driving, whatever. Feedback is going to take a while. We are three full pages in the journal of feedback. Three full pages. Tim Clay, uh, another great episode. He he was uh, um, pretty excited about the fact that and hoping that we were going to hear some good responses from people that had played for us. Um, and then so he the other thing he promised was that he was going to uh, reach out to his band director, which he thought he did a fantastic job when he was in high school getting them ready for contests and things. And he did in fact reach out because I I was witness to it as far as social media. So responded to his uh, his high school band instructor and I thought that was kind of nice of him you know to reach out and let that let that guy know how impactful he was in Tim's life and then I'm sure many others that were were there too um, <laughs> Peter Peter Sand his most effective and you know he's been around with us for a while now is he is he 2000 and was 10 the first year he came to us I know it wasn't nine might have been a little later than 10 Anyway, he's been around a long time. He thought his the most effective um, was our lights off at Pella. Um, he loves scaling speeches because uh, um, the one manager was always mimicking you. He thought that was was always great. Um, most memorable was well, no, I can't say that one. It was a soccer one from Peter that you had. I had to I had to skip that one. Um, well, unfortunately, there's yeah, you can't say all of that. But the mimicking part also included. Um, language, not just gestures. So, had to change some things. That's that's a that's a good time to do that. Um, Dennis Burra, the very first thing he texted me, I mean, right away, was that um, he goes half pound bacon burger for the win from Bebop's. So he was jacked up that we picked Bebop's as our non-sponsor, and then he came back. Um, <laughs> of course, you know we all know the famous gypsies um speech or or statement he he thought that was good um and then you uh so dennis had some confusion in his life when it came to talks and his first one started with you punching the hole in the the chalkboard at perry because he said if i remember correctly we were winning so i wasn't sure why he was so upset i couldn't figure it out and then the other one which i thought was really funny too um was you had spent the whole week, and it would have been 1999, you spent the whole week all over the guys um, about it being homecoming at Knoxville. They picked you to be their homecoming opponent so that they could get a win and guarantee it and everything. And Dennis said, when we roll into Knoxville, it's like, there is nothing going on. There are, there's no signs, there's nothing up there. And then finally, right before kickoff, he said he finally figured out that it wasn't homecoming and you just made it up um, to fire him up. It worked, because we ended up winning. Well. You didn't, you just wanted to know maybe possible effective speeches. It wasn't necessarily about truth. 
<laughs> exactly. That's true. That's very true. Um, and then, of course, you know, the last thing he said, he, and he uses it still, is bring it. You know, it, that was something that, that got said a lot back in the late 90s, early 2000s in the Norwalk football program was bring it. Um, and he still uses it today. Um, by the way, Jill Martin fact-checked for us. It is Darian and Jordan Cotton. Darian and Jordan Cotton. Great job out of our fact-checker. Um, meet uh, Jeff, gosh dang it, my, uh, Jeff Cleaver. Uh, proper name, meet in in our in my world. Um, he sent he sent a very long long email, um, and it and it brought back some fond memories of of back when you and I did freshmen together, and we would kick those suckers out of practice early on Thursday, and he would never turn around to hope that we brought him back because the Simpsons started at five. Um, he was really excited about getting let go at, on Thursdays early just because of, of being able to go home and see The Simpsons. Um, he's, he said he also remembers the Perry chalkboard, and then he also remembers a rhetorical question um, to him, placed on him about whether or not he was going to start um, blocking or dominating or something. He couldn't remember exactly what, was, what part of his football ability or his manhood was being challenged at the time. He just remembers something was being challenged. Um, at halftime there at Perry. Um, he can't he can't remember everything about Nevada. However, what he is going to claim fame to is being the person responsible for um, band members no longer no longer having to march at halftime. That's his claim to fame for halftime speeches. Um, we We can't talk about what happened at Winter set. Um, it was really funny, though, as far as what you said was going to happen. The, probably the funniest thing was all the descriptors of, of things that were going to take place at Winter set. The, the, the little asterisk was, we're going to leave John Wayne's house alone because you really like John Wayne. And he really thought that that was quite funny. Um, the, the speech that I gave uh, his senior year, which would be the fall of 2000 for week nine as we're getting ready to play Pella. Uh, we won't necessarily talk about the specifics there either. Um, that was another one. And um, this, is, this is like we're talking in code. Right. Well, if I'm sure the people that are old enough will remember that. And that's kind of, that's kind of, you know, down, down with the, uh, the legends. Um, and then he said he remembers early on, and I can't remember if this was his sophomore or his junior year, but the, the it had to have been a sophomore year that uh, a player and one of the coaches got into an argument. The coach kicked the player out and the player just turned around and left. And then the coach took the player's helmet and tossed it in his direction and told him to make sure that he took all of his stuff with him. Um, that uh, um, he does have to admit that Sheraton is a crazy place when, when bad things happen. Of course, that's where he got his knee. Um, tore up and then he was pretty sure that's where David Graham hurt his neck too. Not 100% sure but he was pretty sure that that's where it happened. So oh and that same Knoxville game that Dennis Barat talked about um, that was also when you you were so happy that you announced that Kennedy was being born. That yeah that's not a fire up speech but yeah that was an excitement. Speech. I was I was pretty excited we won. Um, and then his final piece, which I thought was really good, was was from the standpoint that he he has realized that there is a 
inverse correlation between the amount of yelling and useful information that you get from said yelling. So as he as he has gotten older, um, the the yelling has gone down, and for some reason the useful information has gone up um, when it comes to that. So that is that that's the first part. Next is Thomas Shamel, and he he said that your best halftime well the best halftime speech goes to you at BCG, and he said him and his teammates still talk about that speech that you gave, um, which was really good. And then he said his best personal halftime talk was um, Ramthan his senior year, 2015, um, where he needed to focus on uh, what, was, uh, what was next for him as far as he had a really bad case of the drops. I don't know if you were, well, we all okay. should remember that game. Yes. Um, very bad case of the drops. And I told Tyler when we were texting back and forth that, you know, the crazy thing is he had a bad case of the drop. So did everybody else. And we still won 26 to seven um, in that first week. And then the, uh, um, he said his most memorable one was from his junior year when we were up by like 30 points. Schmitz didn't think that the uh, special teams were playing well. So he came in and just unloaded on the special teams and then turned around and walked out. And, you know, the guys were looking at each other like, uh, what just happened? So he thought that was good. So moving on. There's, to, a, common, there's a common theme there. It's yeah. not always about if you're winning. It's about trying to pursue the best team you can be. True. True. That's a good point. Dustin Kralik also has sensitive teeth. Um, from an old – did he say band injury? I thought that's what he said, an old band injury. He didn't go into details as to what that was. But – he just wanted to make sure that we knew one. He had sensitive. That must have happened at band camp. Could have. Um, what happens there stays, you know, is is not spoken about. So, um, but he does not use sensitive toothpaste. Sensitive teeth, but not sensitive toothpaste. But that was interesting. So, here goes, in my opinion, the funniest of all of the feedback comes from Trevor Tompkins, who's a new listener, and he is binging our our podcast right now, and so. The first thing he does is he sends some um, things about the podcast, and we end up talking. Um, and of course, you know the last one about the the halftime speech was, you know, the the first question is, "Hey, coach, what'd you tell him at halftime?" And that was the question that Trevor had asked me at Glenwood. My gosh, what'd you say to those guys at halftime? <laughs> and we didn't really say anything at halftime at Glenwood. Anyway. Here it is. So Trevor Tompkins, this is where the years come in. Trevor Tompkins, um, you know, thought he and I had a pretty good relationship. For the last several years, he has texted me. He went back and counted. He texted me like 13 or 14 times, and I have never responded one time to it. <laughs> Not one response. Last year, we're playing, the, the freshman boys are playing, and our, and our two youngest are, are both freshmen. And we had a conversation about a player from Marshalltown and why he wasn't playing. We couldn't figure out where he was, didn't see him suited up for the varsity, whatever. And he sends me a text after he finds out that information and I didn't respond. And Trevor is like, I just talked to Paul about this and now he isn't responding to me. What is up with this guy? What did I do to upset him? I can't believe that he doesn't like me, whatever. So last week he texts me. And I don't respond. And he's texting me about the podcast and I don't respond. And he is like, you know what? I'm going to give it one more shot. He keeps saying on his, on his podcast that he wants some sort of feedback from people. 
And if he really means it, then, then he's going to respond. Well, I didn't respond. <laughs> he the sent me a text rule. <laughs> I didn't respond. So he finally texts, or he, he messaged Christy, I think, through Facebook or whatever. Well, he went in and finally looked at my number and area code he had me as 545. I never got any of those messages that he sent me. Not a single one. So now Trevor and I are texting back and forth because now he has 515. Um, he, has it, he has it fixed. So it was really funny. Um, I think it was funnier the other way. Oh, gosh, it was pretty funny. And, and that was the, that was, you know, he just kept thinking, you know, he talks to me when I see him in person. You know, and we have spent many a tournaments together um, over the years, you know, because they've, they've played basketball together since kindergarten or whatever. And so Trevor and I have talked and talked and, and, you know, even some of those longer ones during the day, you know, like an all day Saturday type deal, we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, useless things. And he just could not for the life of him figure out what he had done to me that he did not get a response from a text. And I tried to explain to him, you know, if I don't like you, I'm not going to talk to you. I mean, that really is what it boils down to. And so me talking to him had to have been a fairly good sign, but obviously um, not texting him was bothersome. And then now we're, we're good. We've got it correct. So that really is, that's it. As far as Trevor Tompkins story. I, and like I told you that one, that was that I have not belly laughed like that for quite some time. It was, hysterical to listen to him tell this story of why does he not respond? What did I do to him? Why does he not like me for years? Not just, not just the last two weeks. It was years of not responding. And then finally he checked the phone number and he had it wrong. Uh, it was thought it was a love hate relationship. Yeah, that's, he was, he was headed in that direction. Okay. So now moving on to Jeff Grady. Jeff Gravy, the very first thing that he would like to make known um, to, to the talk in the walk world is that um, Jake Brown had better figure out a way to get to Bebop's and experience a Bebop's burger. Somehow, some way, get it taken care of. Good grief. Um, he probably doesn't have time. Jake's a pretty good or pretty busy young man. Okay, so are you ready as to why Jake hasn't tried Bebop's yet? Yes. <laughs> Too busy every time he drives by. Doesn't have time to wait. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure he's so busy he can't wait the extra five minutes. I have shared with him. Isn't it a good sign that Bebops is always busy, no matter what time you drive by? Shouldn't Actually, that make you want to stay and get something from there? Go to the Bebops over by Dowling on the weekend. That never seems to be too busy. Well, he hasn't tried Bebops, and it's and it's a shame. Um, I did enjoy Jeff Gravy's little shot at you. The, the difference between Bebops and Culver's has to be um, where you are on the pay scale when it comes to uh, um, Norwalk Community Whatever. School District. Whatever, Gravy. If you're an admin salary, if you're on admin salary, you can afford Culver's whenever you want. If you're just a yeah, regular I, old teacher, then, then you're Bebops. Yeah, well, I can afford it for me and my kids. So how about that? Uh, oh, shot back at you. Um, he did say the, the, one of the biggest positives to Culver's outside of the burgers, both burgers being great, Culver's has the cheese curds. Huge attraction. That's a, that's a uh, favorite, favorite of the boys here. Ooh, I, yes, I agree. And then, um, you know, Bebop's also has uh, chili. So he was pretty excited about that. You know, if you can't get a burger down, you can at least get 
you know, a quart or a half gallon, whatever the chili that he, he orders. Um, so then, you know, for him, not only did he include pregame and halftime speeches, but he also went spirit breakfast. And he thought a couple of the best spirit breakfasts, um, you know, first senior speeches, he, he thinks that that is, that is lights out. And, and little known fact, Jeff Grady usually finds his way to week nine senior speech breakfast, um, even though he has not um, been at the high school level for, with us for quite some time. He still finds his way there because he enjoys listening to the kids that he coached and, and interacted with, you know, in the middle school. Um, in that. He thought Glogowski's, uh, Jim Glogowski, who's now a defensive coordinator at Minnesota. Is it Minnesota State Mankato or is it Mankato State? I think it's Minnesota State. Um, he's now the defensive coordinator up there. And his burn the burn the ships, burn the boats um, speech was really good. And then he thought your uh, your speech at, at Spirit Breakfast, the uh, Ghost of Grinnell Past, was a fantastic one. Um, when he when he heard that um, new listener for us, Corey Gearhart, he sent me a message just letting us know that he listened and he really enjoys listening to the podcast. So not only is Trevor Tompkins, but Corey Gearhart, uh, parents, you know, of, of players. And in Corey's case, former players and uh, and now listeners, Ryan Kennedy, he uh, he contacted me and let me know he and I had a good conversation this last week. Um, and his first one was, of course, you um, saying if if I told you, you know, I think that's how you started the speech off at halftime of of DCG. Um, and then the uh, why not us was the, his second favorite one. And I don't remember when that one came to be, but but why not us? And if I told you were the two favorite ones for him. And, and of course, Cole did some recruiting of former players and let people know that they were supposed to contact us and let us know what we thought. <laughs> I don't know how many of them actually listened to the podcast or if he just explained this is what they needed to do. And so then they, they uh, sent him their thoughts. They probably uh, all got together for a virtual wing night or something. Could be. Could be. Um, Jake Brown. His only piece of feedback for us, he just wanted us to talk about toothpaste, um, sensitive toothpaste, because his evil plot is that we're going to continue to bring up sensitive toothpaste from now until the end of the podcast. He thinks that's going to be fun for him to try and figure out a way to get that. Almost like Doug Heritage and Cole Hopkins, he, he wants the toothpaste to be in every episode. Um, Lee Nelson, super easy. His was scaling speech at DCG was fire. Um, and that was the that was the text. Cole Hopkins, I hope you're sitting down because he's got six of them. He's got six comments <laughs> that came back. I can't uh, believe he talked that much. Yeah. His first one was he thought maybe you and I had a contest of who could say Doug Heritage's name more in a 15-minute span. He thought that that was a contest between the two of us because we had said it a lot. Um, he wants to know what the two-point play call was against Glenwood, and that was wing left. Okay, are you ready? Wing left, wing delay left is what it was. And then outside of the wing, we ran our drive concept um, is what we did. So number one to the wing side runs the drive route, which is the under. Um, and then the two receivers to the other side run basically an in and a post. And because we were on the three-yard line, the in turned into a cross, which is what got hit for the two-point conversion. They covered the wing really well. Um, 
which was my fear going in. But but that was called by uh, Coach Ranton up in the booth. He said, heck, we got to run wing left, wing delay. We got to run it. So we ran it. Yeah, yeah. That, that under drive is a similar route to number 82 from Dallas Center. Very similar. Very similar. Except we don't have the motion. There's no motion. Um, number three, his, uh, his two favorite halftime speeches. Um, yours at DCG, of course, obviously that had, you know, some inverse effect on him compared to the rest of the team. Um, because he didn't cover. And then he, he, he thoroughly enjoyed watching you stomp around Oren's beats and watching Oren get very nervous that you were going to end up breaking his beats. So he said that was that those are his two favorite halftime speeches. Um, pre-game, he, he said he always responded better to calm but intense. So it didn't have to be yelling, didn't have to be screaming, but just some matter of facts and uh, making sure that it was intense. And then Jeff Gravy, you're going to enjoy this. Here's his fifth point. Jeff Gravy's halftime speech against Pella um, can't say without, without changing the uh, clean content to explicit content, can't say what Jeff Gravy said. But he did say that it was followed by the most glorious hat spike ever in the history of middle school football. <laughs> and then the last thing he said, he better hope that Keegan Collins is not listening to this because he will end up on my doorstep to let me know how um, untrue my statement about the double cheeseburger is when there is a triple cheese out there in the world of bebops. So Keegan was a huge fan of the triple cheese. So he just wanted to make oh, sure that we knew that. He's kind of skinny now, isn't he? Did he give up I on that? He could cheese? still probably figure out a way to get a triple cheese down. That'd be my guess. Um, next one is Caleb Seymour. You know, for him, he, he thought that the, uh, um, the D-line talk that you gave all the time, he said that that was really, really good. Just, just your individual group right before, you know, the game. Um, he thought your most memorable one was talking about Stephen Hart uh, and, and um, shortly after he had passed and, and was, was up there in the, in the cemetery. And you know, Roger had told you that he was overlooking the, the field. And that was part of the reason why he picked that, that plot. Um, and so he thought that one was pretty memorable. Um, and then the, uh, um, he thought that the overall theme always helped, you know, as far as us getting to, uh, whatever it was that we were going to talk about and things. So thought that was good. Um, Michelle Tompkins, wife to Trevor Tompkins, listens. And she is really hoping that her and I meet up at a four-way intersection because she's a waiver. <laughs> she hopes that, that that comes to be. Now, the, now a little caveat for me is if I know you, um, I may mess with you or – I may not. It all depends on what kind of mood I'm in, just so you know, Michelle. Um, Brad Criswell, okay, this, this one is also really good, and this is a shot at you. Are you ready? Um, Feels like there's lots of shots coming. Uh, no, I don't know about that. This one, for, this one for sure wholeheartedly is a shot at you. So you were talking about some of your most memorable speeches from high school and college for that matter. And one of the things that you mentioned was that you were four and five at Hoover. Were you four and five, four and five senior year? 
junior and senior year? Were you four and five, four and five, or were you four and five, five and four? No, I, I think we were four and five both years. Okay. And then you you said I wanted to pick, I mean, basically I picked a college of where I was going based on I just wanted to win. Right? That was yes. what he and so he remembers that. His simple question to you is. If that was all you were looking for, why did you not pick Central? Do you want the rating to go to explicit? <laughs> and actually, the answer is easy. The year prior to me going, Simpson beat Central at Buxton Stadium. Onside kick, unintended. It was kicked, hit the Central player, Simpson recovers, wins the conference title. So they were better than Central. How many, how many times did Simpson beat Central while you were at Simpson? Twice. That seemed more like a question than a confidence. Once for sure, because we won the championship. I thought twice. Maybe okay. once. Okay. I'm just, hey, I'm just the messenger. That's all I am. So when you see Brad, you'll have to let him know. But I, I thought I was laughing um, when he sent that. Why didn't you pick Central? Um, probably the, the, well, not probably. This is the grossest one. So Christy was talking about her high school basketball coach and how you wanted to make sure you got into the locker room and sat as far away from him as possible because he was a spitter when he talked and he'd get all worked up. And the more worked up he got, the, the more um, spit came flying out. So he was a, a, a say it and spray it kind of uh, talk, any talker. And she said, I have no idea what he talked about. It was just trying to dodge phlegm as it was uh, coming out. So one of the themes certainly running through this is a few speeches really impact performance, but most <laughs> just cause players to laugh or concern or very true. No matter what he says, I just don't want to get spit on. Right. Yes. Yes, which is a legitimate concern and all Especially else. now. Especially so, now. Yeah, well, yes. Well, now it wouldn't happen. You, your mask would be catching all that. So, and then, of course, you know, I mentioned earlier that she wanted to make sure that we knew that, you know, 25 is the mark of the Silver Jubilee. However, it is years, but we, we took it as episodes in our case. And then the last one, last one is from Kyan Tompkins, current senior, and his was his favorite memory was uh, lights out at Pella, you know, and and we did we did lights out before the game, and then we did it again. We visited it at halftime, um, and then while we were out on the field after the game, um, we didn't have to turn the lights out, but we made everybody close their eyes, um, and and we did it. So that was his uh, that was the best one for him. And then of course Trevor wanted to make sure that knew that he's doing his best to try and spread the word about talking to walk. So that's it for. That's it. That is the final piece of, of feedback. Um, and as I told you, one of the things that we're going to have to do is we're going to have to, you know, that, and, and I love the feedback. We just have to, are going to have to, I think, make a decision. Do we do just a feedback only episode, you know, a little, little snippet and then get into the, into the Papa Burger things, or do we just keep it like this and roll it all into one? And, um, and I don't know the answer, but I do like it when I hear from people, you know, and especially when it comes to memories, you know, hearing from people and then and then being able to interact back and forth with them and talk things, especially if I have my journal, I can do it right away um, as far as what, what people are thinking and what they, what they have to say. 
Well, we might just have to see what feedback we get and make that decision sure. afterwards, not before. Yeah. Well, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And and do like a midweek uh, update with some feedback just to get some of it out of the way and, and say, hey, here it is and move on. So did you have anybody else that you heard from feedback wise? Well, I don't keep a journal, so I can't remember. I think you hit them all. Okay. Fair enough. And um, I delete next? my text. What's that? And I delete my texts. I'm a text deleter. I don't, I only archive a few things. Yeah, like when you say, I don't need to hear from you, but yet the expectation is that you do, in fact, hear from me. That wasn't the expectation. Sure seemed like it at the beginning of this podcast. You fired a shot. <laughs> Did not fire a shot. Uh, high school sports. Um, you know, obviously, the first one we're going to start with is our game. You know, did not go according to according to plan. Um, I, I think, and, and I know that this is going to sound a little whiny, but I struggle with places that you can't go anywhere for halftime and you can't go anywhere before the game. And they get to go somewhere. They had a nice big building that they got to go in and we had nothing. We had to stand outside. And I, we were, we were ill prepared for the cold and you know, thought the wind was going to die down. It did not. It was still howling out of the north, um, and and we just did. We did not play well uh, on Friday, and we ended up losing seven to thirty-five. Um, they ran the ball well. We could not run the ball well. Um, we needed to be able to complete some passes, and we had a tough time completing passes on Friday. And and uh, it was a it was a tough one as far as that goes for us. Well, I think you said it best when you walked in and. The AD, the custodian, the whoever all talked about, oh, you guys have such a great passing game and we can't cover the pass. That was a highly motivated team. Um, a good team, no doubt about it. Highly motivated, too, about how they wanted to cover the pass. They they took their D1 star and, and covered our star. You know, they so they um, – I think they're – I don't know what their coach said to them before the game, but they seemed highly motivated to make sure we couldn't throw the ball. And then defensively, um, some of the issues that we've had just came back up, missed assignment yeah. here and there, and suddenly got long runs. Um, and by the second half, I guess the thing I was most – for a while there, we were fighting like crazy on defense just to kind of keep us around. Um, you know, I know people might think that's nuts at 21 or nothing, but I kept thinking if we can keep us around, you guys get a score on the board, right. figure some things <laughs> out, and then we're, we're in the same situation as last week. Um, you guys score – it's late in the game, though, 28-7. And then they drive the ball down in, like, six plays, all inside zone and stuff it in the end zone. And that was, that was the most disappointing. Uh, outside of Wintersett's entire game, that was the most disappointing feeling for me at the end. That's what's a little tough to swallow. Because, um, we, you know, we didn't play great, but we did fight. We had a bad start, and then we fought like crazy. And then I just felt like you want to honor that fight by – by going out fighting, you know, don't right. let them have the next touchdown. Uh, so, it, you know, we were a little uh, outmatched as far as size and things, and you got to play, you got to play really clean if you're going to upset a team like that. And and we did not, you know, and that's one of the one of the biggest hiccups that the the offense had is we 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 were uh, turnover prone. You know, we turned the ball over in every game, um, week one all the way through week eight, we turned the ball over. And, and it usually, I don't know if 
maybe one game we had one turnover. Otherwise, we had multiple turnovers in every game. And, and only did we win the turnover margin. And if I remember correctly, I think we tied in Perry and we won it in Glenwood. Yeah. Um, the two games in which we won. So turnover margin was huge. And, and then, you know, the probably one of the more difficult conversations is sitting on the bench saying, okay, if they score here and go up 7 to 35, we're subbing you know, telling your starters and your seniors and everybody. And if they don't score, if we hold them and they still end up with only 28 points, then we're going to see if we can't go down the field and get a, get a score. Well, they scored. And so we ended up, that's when we, we subbed and got some of our other kids in, in that didn't see a lot of playing time this year, but I thought came in and performed pretty well. Um, but again, two turnovers and we had two turnovers with that, with that next group. So we had we had two turnovers with the with the first group. We had two turnovers with the second group, and, and we're just not going to win very many football games against a good team when that stuff happens. And I think what they have one turnover, uh, two, um, two picks. Oh, yeah, Grant two Larson, picks, right. yeah, Grant and Ethan. Grant Larson picked the the wide wide receiver screen, and Ethan had the Aaron throw in the end zone. Yeah, yeah, forgot about that. Um, so that's it from us, you know, as far as uh, uh, football. And then and then real quick, you know, talk swimming. Um, they were conference champs and then their regional swim meet is November 7th and that's at Southeast Polk and then cross country of course you know the boys qualified um, and two girls qualified so they they run Friday which is a twist you know and we talked about that earlier that that, that they had split um, decided to split the cross country meet state meet into two two days and so for us 4A runs on Friday and that's of course at Fort, Fort Dodge um, and I think race time's 11. Um, and I don't know if that's boys or girls. I think it's boys. Um, it's at 11. And, and they tell you, can't be there any earlier than 8.30. And you can't be there any later than 10.30, I do believe, is how they, how they explain that. So you need to make sure if you're planning on going up there that you, uh, that you plan accordingly and, and try to get there at those times. So next, I, didn't I didn't understand why they did 4A on Friday instead of Saturday. Wouldn't that be their bigger ticket? Or are they, are they limiting the number of people in? I think they're limiting the number of people in, but I'm not 100% sure. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't think so. So this was, this is a COVID change more than a um, a change in how they're going to administer it in the future. Yeah, I think it's it's wholeheartedly a COVID change, and and then moving forward, you know, if if everything is back to back to pre-COVID, you know, as far as things, then then I think they're back to one day and run it like normal on Saturday. That would be my guess. Um, so now, real quick, you know, we're going to stay on high school sports, and we're going to talk, and, 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 you know, you and I had talked beforehand that we're just going to talk 3A and 4A uh, playoffs. So here are the pods. Pod A for 4A, Bettendorf at Pleasant Valley, and Dubuque Hempstead at Iowa City West. Pod B, Ankeny Centennial at Southeast Polk, and Prairie of Cedar Rapids at Cedar Rapids Kennedy. Pod C is Cedar Falls at Ankeny, Indianola at Waukee. Pod D Waterloo West at Dowling Catholic and Valley is at Urbandale. Um, and then do you have anything on those or do you want me to just go to 3A? No, I, I, 4A, I think, uh, I mean, Southeast Polk, you and I have both said that's kind of our team that we're watching the way they're playing right now. Dowling's still sitting out there and you can't, counting them out would be terrible. Yeah. Um, I, I still believe um, not just saying this because Don's on the staff. I don't want him to get excited, but I did say it. I still believe Waukee has the talent to to get it done, but uh, they seem to be. I want to say this 
without making it sound bad, but they seem to not be able to rise to that big moment. And Ankeny is still in there, you know, um, their, their skilled players make a, make it tough to defend, you know, that's true. Yeah. The two receivers. Um, so they, they've got some, there's, and, and again, you know, we're, we're talking all West. Not yeah. Well, I think it's our side of the state. I don't, you know, no. I know we don't see the other side very much, but um, haven't seen much that makes me believe that we're not the better side of the state. Now all it takes is one game. Remember the one year we saw Bettendorf with what's his face at linebacker? Pat Anger. Yeah, Pat Anger. He, he played angry and he dominated that game. I, I still go back to in person. That is the, the greatest high school performance at, and football that I've ever seen. <laughs> I didn't know, didn't know much about him. And uh, my in-laws were saying, who's this recruit out of Bendorf to play linebacker? And I'm like, you watch and see. He was a dude, yeah. a dude. So now we'll go to 3A. Um, pot, and by the way, little side note, I was incorrect in my prediction that, you know, they had everything all set up that one pod one was going to play two and, and so on and so forth. 15 was going to play 16. Didn't work. Um, they, they went through and redid everybody. Um, so pod A, Boyden Hall, Rock Valley is at Spencer. Sergeant Bluff Luton is at Webster City. Now, Boyden Hall, Rock Valley, and Spencer and Sergeant Bluff Luton, all three are from the same district. They're all co-champs uh, of that district. Um, and then pod B, which was the one we were in, Ballard is at Lewis Central. Carlisle is at Harlan Community. Pod C, Rennell at Pella. Wallert Catholic of Dubuque is at Xavier of Cedar Rapids. Pod D, West Delaware, Manchester at Washington. And Assumption, Davenport at North Scott, Eldridge. So those are the, those are the three A games. Um, yeah, I still see, I still, I see Lewis Central coming out of the, coming out of the, whatever that is, the West pod. You think they're going to beat Harlan second time around? Yeah, I think so. 28-10, um, first time around. Yeah, I watched that game a lot. I think Lewis Central uh, has a good shot to beat. Uh, I, I think Lewis Central's playing the other quarterback more. Ten's getting more time in a quarterback. Uh, and I think they'll clean up some of the other things they did, did poorly. Um, and I could be wrong, but I think Lewis Central. I don't know. I haven't seen Boyden Hall, Rock Valley play, so I don't know. Last year they looked pretty good. Um, the way Harlan, started... uh, Harlan had a couple of fluke plays that resulted in touching two tip passes that resulted in long touchdown. Yep. And there were some, there's just some mistakes made by Lewis Central that uh, we didn't see the other night at least. <laughs> so I'm thinking Sergeant, I, I'm thinking Sergeant Bluff still, just because I'm still stinging from the beating they gave us up there. I know it's different players and they got the kid going to Wisconsin. That might be starting now since all your quarterbacks have COVID at Wisconsin. Now, did you hear that they, they now have serious talk in postponing? Oh, are they? Yeah. I just, that would be a, a fair thing to do if you don't even have your number two quarterback. Now, if you were playing Iowa, I would say they should play no matter what. But uh, I think Xavier out of the bottom, although Pella seems to be – the team to the east seems to be rising at the right time. And who was the top again? Uh, you had Assumption oh, and – West Delaware. And, and – no, not West Delaware, right? Oh, yeah, 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 West Delaware because they beat uh, Western Dubuque, um, North Scott. I think West Delaware is the team out of there. There are a lot of people in, in the Davenport Assumption corner. Um, and, and if I'm not mistaken, the Souser kid that plays quarterback, not, not Gage, that's the lineman, but the, the quarterback is, 
is out. I think he broke his arm or something like that. So Grinnell is now very, very one-dimensional. For Grinnell? Yeah, Grinnell. Yeah, isn't the running back hurt too? No, uh, I didn't think so. If he is, then, then they have very little chance yeah. against Pella. You don't want to be one-dimensional uh, against Pella? He is uh, – he's a stud, the, uh, the running back. Okay. Anything else high school sports-wise? We host a, a regional 1A volleyball game tomorrow night. I don't know who's playing, but we host a volleyball tomorrow night. No, thank you for that update. Anything else? High school nope. sports-wise? Okay, so we're going to move on. Our non-sponsor, sticking with our, with our, uh, our uh, playoff theme, Social Station in Prol, Iowa, home of the Prol Roll. Um, another famous little spot for us uh, when, when playoff time came, you know, when, when bread and breakfast shut down. You know, Jethro's was in there for us as far as uh, playoff breakfast, but then so was the uh, Social Station. And then Social Station was also someplace that we would go Fridays for uh, breakfast every once in a while too. But playoff breakfast, we were, we were down there a couple of years. Um, and, and the Dooley's do a great job, even though I don't think it's the Dooley's that truly own it, but they're there. Um, and they're somehow tied into everything. Um, yeah, the, I always enjoyed the biscuits and gravy. And although I'm not a big cinnamon roll guy, I did enjoy everyone salivating over the 12-foot-inch cinnamon roll that you could buy. The pro roll. Yeah. Yeah, they're humongous. If, if you get a chance, that should be something that you, you try to get done um, is get a pro roll down the old hatch. Yeah. They are real and they are spectacular. Yes, sir. That is an excellent reference. Now, one of the things that, uh, will you, by the way, Mark Perrington is texting us right now as we are, uh, um, as we are recording. So moving on to the Popper Burger, why is this called Boys to Men? Let me help you with that. How do I say goodbye to what we had? The good times that made us laugh outweigh the bad. I thought we'd get to see forever, but forever's gone away. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. I don't know where this road is going to lead. All I know is where we've been and what we've been through. And if we get to see tomorrow, I hope it's worth all the wait. It's hard to say goodbye to yesterday. And I'll take with me the memories to be my sunshine after the rain. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. And I'll take with me the memories to be my sunshine after the rain, it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. That's why it's called Boys to Men. We are, we're talking about end of the year, right? We had it on Friday, unfortunately. I was hoping you were gonna sing that. Oh my gosh, that would have been absolutely awful. Um, so I don't know what his, what his text said, but so you have to give us the feedback. What was it? It looked like it was feedback. No, because you're saying something important right now. It's not. He, okay. he tells us he tells us that we get uh, too busy chit chatting about stuff that has nothing to do with our podcast. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. Mark, all he ever brings is fire. He just he just brings he just hates on us. Yeah. And then he won't come on. He would. Dewey was the no. Dewey was the no. So we're back refocused. End of the year. I, I, so at, at the end, football season is over, your season is over, whatever the season is. What do you say? At that moment, what do you say? 
gosh, I don't know. I, um, you know, we always do the circle up and hug. And yes, we did it this time too. Um, I didn't care. Yeah. But sometimes, selfishly, sometimes I'm hurting too at that moment. Yeah. You know, and I know I got to be the adult because I know they're hurting. And I've already got this experience in high school. I've gotten this experience in college. Um, so you just, I, I think now I'm to the point, the older guys, I tell them I love them and thanks for the work they've given or thanks for, you know, always being with the program or sticking with the program for four years. Um, pretty much every one of the younger guys this year, I said, find the weight room, you know, find, get to work. You know, if, if, this, if you know this feeling now um, and you don't like it, do something about it. I think the, um, for me, the, the most interesting thing is, is, you know, when you say, you know, there's lots of I love you's in there. And that's something that has trans, transformed over the years. You know, early on, that's not what was, we didn't, we didn't talk about that stuff. Um, it wasn't said in the huddle or, or afterwards. And, and we now, you know, as I mentioned before, when we talk, you know, when I first said love, you know, way back when, um, here in the last 10 years, that, that, that was giggles. You know, like we were in, in uh, Corey Clarkwell's room talking about things of the body, you know, part body parts. And, and you mentioned that and then everybody's giggling and ah, you can't say it. And now when we talk about it, everybody gets it. They understand it. And so now when you get kids to go through, that's one of the biggest things they say is, you know, I love you, coach. I love you. And thanks for, you know, whatever it is that you did for them or, or whatever they have going on right now. I think that's a, that's a key shift and where we're at when it comes to our culture. And I think it's a key shift in, in where we're at when it comes to what we do for our kids and what our kids do for us. Um, so don't know what to say. I never know what to say, you know, and, and I, and I, I had written down, you know, is, is it something you prepare? And I don't think so. I don't think you can prepare an end of the year speech when you don't know what you're going to be feeling like and, and what kind of end did you have? You know, what's that last game like? And, and you know, and I'll talk more about that here in just a little bit, but um, I think a thank you, you know, and I don't know if we, and I don't know if we say that enough to our kids, you know, thank you for, for all their time and all their effort and all their energy and, and everything they give to us. And then, um, you know, just that we're going to miss them. I think those are two really important pieces um, of your end of the year speech to kids after last game is done. I mean, I, I don't think you can ever really have anything prepared, especially when we're in the circle. I suppose when you're, um, when you're at the end of your season as head coach, you have, you know, past experiences to draw upon that you could talk to them about, but I, I never planned for the end, you know? I, yeah. Um, I didn't, you know, the, the, the scout books were still by my locker so that when we came Sunday night, I could change the scout books to the, to the new, to the new opponent. You just, um, it's one of those where you just expect to keep moving on. That is, uh, well, without a doubt, there, there, there didn't, there was, in my world, there was no expectation that, that we were going to be done. Um, you know, it, it's emotional, always emotional. However, it, it, you know, if, if the score is a little bit lopsided, uh, not in your favor. It's a little less emotional, you know, because yeah. you have time throughout that second half to be thinking about that it's over. And, you know, like for me, Max and I hugged 
you know, as I was walking down to the other end, he knew he was done. And he and I, I'm not getting emotional now. That was just a, a, a awkward cough. Um, he and I hugged, you know, and, and he had tears in his eyes. And, you know, we just, we shared a moment when we, he knew he was done and, and it was over. And then after the game, he was less emotional because that had run its course, you know, if that makes sense. So um, it really depends on where, where you're at. And I don't know if there are the right words you know, when it comes to the end of the year, when you're having a conversation with the kids, I know that there are wrong words um, when it comes to that. You know, if you get accusatory or, or blame heavy when it comes to things, you know, I think it's important to be reflective and thankful. I think those are the two most important things. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I, I, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm never ready for the end. And then it comes and then players come and some of them give you hugs because they just fall right into you. And other, the younger players don't know what to do, you know, because they're not the senior. And that's just a, it's an emotional time. And I think you try to do what's best for them. And that's just be there for them and, and uh, let them know you care. I also think it, it matters home versus away. You know, and as I mentioned before, a close game versus a, versus a lopsided scored game. Um, and then my, the other one that I want to throw in there is like 2017. Are, are we done? Are we not done? You know, 2017, we lost week nine, but there was still an outside chance that the RPI was going to get us in. So yeah. are, I, um, when was the, when was the Murillo? 2008. That I had to go check him out in the locker room. That's 2008. We didn't know we if we were. Button. We thought we were out of the playoffs and then yep. an upset happened. And then when we were in the playoffs and, and everybody's cheering, well, I have to inspect the anatomy of a young man that might have pierced his testicles. That's another long story for a different day. But Yes, it sure is. Um, so the, the, all those, you know, are you done or not done? That, that's, a, that's an interesting moment um, when it comes to that. You know, and I think all of those things factor in. You know, the, the one thing that I would tell you that is probably the most peculiar for me, how many kids don't know how to give a hug? Can you tell when they're wearing shoulder pads? Yes, because they don't do anything with their arms. They're just kind of like, uh, they, they don't know, they don't know how to either give or receive a hug. And it's just, it's, it's peculiar to me. We have several young men that have, that have a tough time with that. Well. That could be, I can tell you this, when I was thinking about, do you prepare something? I usually prepare a different shirt. I usually have an extra t-shirt whenever we travel in the playoffs. Just in case. Well, you never know. Water gets dumped on you or you get stink fest hugged. That yeah. way I got a different shirt. That's, that's a good point. I like that. So you're prepared when it comes to that. I, I, I get it. Um, I will tell you that, that without a doubt, that's my least favorite time of year. Um, and that Friday is probably the most difficult Friday in the year for me, or Friday, the most difficult moment for me, just because it is, it, it is, it's over, you know, and, and so many of our kids, you know, we have 36 seniors. So many of them are now done playing organized football. Yeah. I, I like that moment better than I do the banquet. I'll be straight honest with oh, you. Yes. I hate the banquet. Yes. I, I'd rather have that moment and then tell them all we're going to, 
and you know, I'm not thinking COVID, but we're all going to grill out and just sit around and talk and make fun of each other and tell stories about the season. Good year. I think that would go a lot farther than the banquet because inevitably, it, I don't know if it ever satisfies anybody's, whether you, as a parent, you want to hear something about your kid that's great or why do we have to be here? Or I kind of like the banquets now that are just players and coaches. Um, but, it, you know, that's, a, again, another topic for another day. But it is. I, I do like the finish. If we could go, well, I never want to be done. But if we're done, then that versus sometimes the banquet feels contrived. Well, I, I think, you know, you and I both know that the banquet isn't for the kids. The banquet is for the parents to hear um, what we have to say about their kids. And to be honest with you, I think it's a, it's a time for parents also to, to have other people hear what we have to say about their kids, because sometimes people don't really know their kid. And I think we help um, bridge that gap just a little bit, but we're going down the wrong path. We're talking end of the year. We're talking last well, week. And we don't want Mark to send us another oh, text geez. next week and be like, you guys got off on some topic. Yeah, that, it could be ugly if that were to, to be the case. Um, have to hear from him when it comes it's going to be like our copy editor or whatever that is for podcasts. I don't what would the proper term be? Maybe we should go down that rabbit hole. What do you think, Mark? So as we wrap this up, final thoughts, what do you got? Final thoughts on, on boys to men. It's so hard to say goodbye. End of the year. Meaning last game. Uh, we've already said it. It's just hard. It's just, I think because, um, well, uh, my my uh, sister-in-law, her son um, and Dewey's son, Kale, played for DCG, weren't expecting the outcome, knew it would be a tough game, talked to me repeatedly about it, knew it would be a tough game. I don't think they expected anything like what happened. And she just said, they're, you know, Kale's walking around like a zombie uh, just because he's so frustrated with the end. He just wants to pop out one more time and play, you know. and that's playoff football. You know, if you don't put your best foot forward and you're done, nothing you can do about it. And even though I think he could go play somewhere in college, he's now he's facing the reality of I'm done. And that's just what we've said. It's, it's overwhelming and something that you love to do. And you have to put in so much time and effort just to get on the field. And then if you're lucky enough to win ball games to get into the playoffs and have the opportunity and then it's done, this is hard, and I don't think people will ever get it. The same way that uh, we've got some soccer players who come out and kick for us that get all jacked up after one, the first Friday night football game, they're just like, this is unreal. If Unless you've been a part of it, you don't understand Friday night lights and all the toil that it goes into to, to try to come away with a W on a Friday night. And, and you know, in all honesty, the finality of it, too, that there is no – there's no spring league for high school football. There's no, um, there's no summer league. There's no pickup games, you know, to be padded up and, and to play. It, it's, you're either moving on to college or you're done. Those are, those are your, really your two choices. And, and we have very few kids that move on. And so this is it for them. And I think that is, that takes its emotional toll on you. On us too, you know, having to say goodbye every, every year, to a group of kids that have that have put in all that time and energy with you is tough. Um, 
and as I said, you know, I don't know if I can emphasize it enough. It, it's one of my least favorite moments, um, you know, from a from a, a hurt standpoint, not from a dislike standpoint. It's from a hurt. You know, I dislike talking at the community pep rally. This is a this is a hurt. If that makes sense. Kind of like equipment check out and check in. It's a hurt. <laughs> we'll talk about we'll talk about that's going to be a topic at some point in time. Um, talking about that along with banquets, you know, we've got a few other things that we've got to get done. And then of course, yes, Alan Stanley, we are going to get to Pete and uh, concussions. We'll get to that at some point. Uh, might be good for us to talk about that um, right after the playoffs. Cause I think there's maybe just a little bit of a lull um, in there for Pete. Uh, we might be able to get that handled. Anyway, wrapping up Papa Burger, um, you know, boys to men. It's so hard to say goodbye and, and uh, it's a tough situation to be in, but it happens every year, and I think it's a great moment um, for our kids to experience, you know, their their uh, a sense of loss and a and a sense of of you know the first time where you know that it's it, it's over, um, because it's going to happen throughout their life, and and it's it's good for them to experience that in high school, and we can help them grow and get through it. Are you ready? History. Again, pulled this from the Iowa High School Athletic Association. Um, and this is basically about, uh, it, it's, the, it's the state cross country timeline. So 1922, University of Iowa hosts high school invitational meet, inviting teams from surrounding states. That's 1922. 1930, IHSA conducts its own state meet. Are you ready for this piece of it? It was an invitational meet. Schools charged 25 cents per runner. IHSA. So the, so the IHSA was making money back then. <laughs> I bet 25 cents in 1930 was fairly expensive for a school. Yeah. Well, and if you came from a city, you probably got charged 30, 30 cents. <laughs> it's you funny. Know, they, they wouldn't charge the farm folk as much. 1936, uh, meat divided into two classes based on enrollment. 1937, split into three classes. And then 1946, teams could enter four or five runners with their top three counting in team scoring. 1947, um, no team champions in 1947 because of excessive rain. 48, four classes created. 1951, race distance is 1.8 miles. 1957, five class meets. The five class meet begins, so now they're in five. And now in 1964, they moved to six classes. 1967, they increased the race distance to two miles. 1969, meat expands to seven classes. What in the world was going on across country? 1970, now you can have up to five runners with your top four counting, counting towards your total. Um, 1976, district qualifying meets for the state begin for teams and individuals. Four classes, um, basically, is what happened. 1979, inaugural joint state meet held at Iowa Girls High School Athletic Union at Veenker, is that right? Or Veneker Golf Course on the campus of Iowa State University. I don't know how to pronounce that. Anybody? I feel like the uh, the rookies pronouncing schools on... Friday night reading scores. 
1981. I think it's Becker, <laughs> but I'm sure we'll be I'm sure we'll be informed by our fact checker. Yeah, that'd be good. Did you say Benneker? You thought it was Benneker? I thought so. Okay. Um, 1981 district and state meet returns to three classes for boys and girls and the state meet attracted over 6,000 fans in 1981. 1987 race distance moves to 5,000 meters. 88 teams allowed to enter five, six, or seven athletes with the top five now going for team honors. 1993 joint state meet moved to Lakeside Golf Course in Kennedy Park north of Fort Dodge. 2003 four class state qualifying meets and 15 teams in each class qualify for the state meet. 2007, displaced team scoring starting for state qualifying and state meets. And 2011, first in the nation wheelchair competition added. And 2014, 85th year for the IHSAA cross country state meet, 49th for the girls union, and both among the oldest in the US medal winners for each class. But that was pretty good for that. Yeah, what what was going on with seven classes? I don't know. I don't know. And it doesn't look like it lasted very long. No, I mean, obviously there were a lot of small schools that have all been consolidated. You know, if you think of some of the football schools that have four names in them, but that's, that's a lot of classes. So little side note for you. I counted up um, how many football schools there were, you know, with, with, what is it? 40 and then 54, 54, 54, 60, 60 and 68 something like that, there's 330 football playing schools. I don't know how many cross country running schools there are. I don't know if there's more or not, I'm not sure. Cause that is not obviously all the high schools cause there's several high schools that don't play football um, right. across the state. So don't know where that's at. So we're gonna move on to positive. And I thought it was appropriate for us um, shed a little light on, on managers, you know, for us, our managers put in a lot of time and, and, you know, they get a little recognition at the banquet and they get a little recognition at senior night. Um, but other than that, they, they, they kind of go unrecognized, you know, as far as any accolades or, or honors or anything like that. So I thought maybe we'd shed a little light, you know, for us, our girls and, and, and our boys that, that our managers show up and, and they're there before practice, they help get the field set up and things taken care of. And then after we leave, they're still there putting things away. You know, and on game day, they've got to be there uh, early to get everything ready to go, whether that be at home or on the road. And then afterwards, they're still picking up or putting things away, depending on, you know, if we're at home, they're, they're putting things away. And if, and if they are, uh, if we're on the road, then they're coming back and they're unloading everything and putting it away. And, and they just do a lot of work that goes um, without thanks and without notice too often. And I think it's time for us to shed a little light. And, and I, that goes for every sport that, that there are managers, you know, as far as the help that they do and the behind the scenes work and, and uh, you know, the setup and the, and the hours that they have to put in. And then, and then of course, they've got to put up with high school kids, you know, and sometimes they aren't the nicest when it comes to things that are going on, so. Yeah, but they do get to hang out with us. And sometimes that's a bonus. And we're a lot of fun. Sometimes, sometimes that's a bonus. Sometimes not so much a bonus, you know. Really, really depends. But um, we, we have a fantastic group. And in and, and my time at Norwalk, uh, managers have been awesome. You know, from, from the first time I, I was around to now, you know, we, we just, we are very fortunate to having a lot of managers. I don't know what that means. 
Sometimes we've even had managers take helmets apart. Oh. With their <laughs> yes. Yeah. In, Don't in give hope, him your helmet. In the hope to fix it. Don't give him your helmet. I forgot about that one. But they, they, it's a thankless job. It really is more so than just about anything else in the in the world of high school athletics. You know, the, the, the people that are that are working to help make things work. You know, make things go. Um, I think it's time for us to shed a little light on them. So our positive is is all those managers out there that that either have been or currently are or are aspiring to be managers and and working for whatever sport and you know especially for us in football. Um, I think they've got to put in a lot of time and and effort and energy and we thank them and I thank them. Well, you can kind of tell by their speeches. Well, not kind of tell, you can tell by their speeches um, how important it is to them to be part of it and how much they enjoy it. And I think it uh, helps a lot of um, the young ladies and young men who do it. Uh, there's some leadership roles involved in it. They grow up, they learn responsibility. You know, a lot of them start as freshmen that don't know anything and they have to be taught by some mentor, uh, a manager, and then by the end they're running things. And it, it gets really funny when by the end they're also telling you exactly what they think and telling you what should happen when they wouldn't even, you know, say a word to you two years right. before. By the end, it's just like, no, this is what we're going to do. Okay, we'll let you run your own show. Yeah, and, and um you know, I, I think that to me is, is, you know, just like with, with the, from the side of the players, you know, being able to watch them, you know, grow up and mature and, and become a little more social, a little bit more comfortable around you. And so you can get a little bit um, better interaction with them and, and you can build a little bit better rapport with them. And I think that's, that's important. And I think that's really, really good. Uh, yeah. Plus, a lot of time. I used to tell Greenlee to come out with the boards and she used to hustle out. Now she tells me that she's going to get there when she gets there. So they obviously um, grow up. Some, and maybe a little attitude. Maybe the, maybe the attitude comes out a little bit. You never know, you know, and, and everybody has their own. It's good. So talked a little cross country, you know, as far as the history, the timeline, talked a little, little uh, managers you know, as far as the, the spotlight. And then of course, overall for us, it was the uh, end of the year, you know, the boys to men, it's so hard to say goodbye. Our silver Jubilee episode, episode 25 of Talking the Walk. Um, we appreciate all the feedback and, uh, you know, hopefully we can keep that going. And, and again, just a, just a quick little reminder, I'm not going to respond to you until I have the journal. So I'm, I'm able to, to jot some notes down. So um, we do thank you for listening and and, you know, as, as this continues to get a little bit bigger, make sure you send us things that you want to hear about and, and that, you know, give us some ideas. And obviously, you know, we've got a few that we, we've got to get taken care of. But um, the main gist, Mark Parrington, is for us to talk about uh, some of the things that are going on in the world of high school sports and in the coaching side of things. And I thought it was important for us to, to get to it, even though sometimes we get off, you know, down a little rabbit hole and we, we you know, talk a little. Um, heaven forbid. Anyway, thanks for listening. Um, and again, thanks to our non-sponsor, Social Station out of Troll, Iowa, home of the Troll Roll. And episode 25, Boys to Men, here on October 27, 2020. I'm Paul Patterson signing off for episode 25. And Tom Scallon, have a good night. Closing time. Thank you for listening to the 
Talking the Walk Podcast Show.